So welcome everybody. This is the first session that we're doing with our coach series. And I'm joined today by Grant Metcalf-Smith. And Grant consults, teaches and coaches in the field of sustainability. And I'm fascinated to understand his world. Um, he works internationally in Asia and Europe and coaches a variety of different clients from graduates to executive level. And as a coach, Grant challenges his clients to think more deeply and creatively about their role as a leader and what that means within the sustainability ESG agenda. So Grant, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you along. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Nice to meet you. If you wouldn't mind just sharing with our listeners your journey of where you've come from, your experiences and, and how you've ended up in the coaching world as of today. Great. Yes, well, it's a pleasure to be here. So my background, yes, well, I, I'm Australian originally. I came here as a uh, post-teenager and started a, a job in finance in London and worked here uh, in banking for a long career and decided to look at coaching probably as a, as a plan B about th four years ago. Yeah. And uh, alongside my, uh, my banking job, which was very full, I started to do coach training and at, at Henley Business School. So the segue, the, the segue into coaching really came about from me wanting a plan B as, as time moved on. My background has been, as I said, banking. I've, I've, I've worked internationally uh, quite a lot. Uh, I've got a range of different clients from institutions through to companies. And yeah, but sustainability has been something that has been uh, an abiding interest really in, in concert with the fact that the work I did in the, the last bank I worked for, its shift into green, into green investments was very considerable. So alongside that, I was head of structuring advisory for a particular area. I got involved in doing a lot of the work uh, on vetting these green investments. So that sort of piqued my interest in this whole okay. um, broader sustainability space. Yeah, nice. And you talk about the sustainability space, and oh. I guess our listeners will be interested in what we actually mean by coaching sustainability in the sustainability space. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be useful to sort of help our listeners yeah. understand what your perspective is on that. And, and if I may, I'll yeah. ask questions so I can clarify my yes. understanding too. Yes, exactly. So, so what we're not talking about is the sustainability of coaching, which again, I've seen some articles and discussions around, is coaching sustainable? What we're talking about today is really about the whole movement, if you want to call it a movement, uh, of sustainability, which there's many definitions of what sustainability is, but you could easily say something that's sustainable or something that is balanced. And in the context of sustainability internationally, we're talking about looking at balancing economic viability of something, a project or a business with social equity and with the protection of the environment. This balance between these three factors could be a good general working definition of sustainability. Okay, great. And I've sometimes heard sort of that sustainability um, put into people, planet and profit. So exactly. organisations are looking at those three core areas for sustainability for all of those stakeholders. Yes, that, that's a perfect definition, actually. That, that really is a perfect one. Um, so that my, my research was a bit shoddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fine. It's it's good to hear different perspectives. And just give give me an understanding. I guess when I sort of you and I started to talk about this, that when I hear the word sustainability, you start then to think about that's sort of you call it a movement, and as part of movement, hmm. there are activists. So how does coaching help to provide a, a better sustainable world that we want to live in without? directing or 
being too active in trying to create a movement with an agenda? That's a really good question, Trayton. A really good question. I, I think on the on the activist point, I mean, again, if, if you're looking at this, but as coaches, we know that we shouldn't be directive. We shouldn't be leading uh, the, the the client in, in the thinking process. However, mm. you can, in my mind, you can facilitate uh, through very good direct questioning. You can get someone to reflect on statements they've made or, or issues they've, they've brought up around the particular goal they're looking at in the coaching session. So I think there's been, again, sustainability has come uh, within the coaching context. You, you, I've certainly seen things uh, such as the coaching, the Climate Coaching Alliance, the CCA, which is a link in the in the show notes, which is, is being created about three, four years ago. It's international. I think the idea is to really try to develop a set of resources there to help coaches to deal and help their clients deal with the climate crisis in a variety of different ways. And that that crisis can manifest itself through uh, psychological distress, climate anxiety amongst individuals, or in fact, organizations who don't know how they're going to deal with it, or countries indeed, who don't know how they're going to deal with it. Because a lot of this, as we know, adversely affects the the low-income, middle-income countries. Climate change is really affecting the poorest nations. So the, the role of coaches, I think, on mass, I think is a really interesting idea. So a collective of coaches to actually deal, to have a position with respect to say climate, I think is really empowering. So I don't know whether that answers part of your question because it's a big question. Yeah, no, it's a big question. Let's, if we may, let's explore it yeah. further because as, as, you, as you say, it's big and there's lots of parts to that. What, what I pick up in what you've just said there is fascinating because I hadn't thought until you mentioned it that everybody's gonna be impacted, dependent, irrelevant of their views by sustainability, by the environment, people, planet, profit. And some will be comfortable with what they hear and see, and others will be less comfortable. And as you say, distressed by that. So is the coaching helping people to not only manage their thoughts, but also help them to clarify their views and their position with the things they're hearing or seeing? Yeah, yes, that that's right. Uh, I think that I mean, my practical experience of this has been that uh, working with ESG teams and sustainability officers, chief sustainability officers, some of the principal challenge they have, um, they're tasked with put, with an agenda to make a company, a bank or a corporate, um, fit for purpose in terms of ESG ratings and, and standards because their investors care very much that actually they're, they're fit, for, fit for the modern world. Yeah. So, but however, what... I have seen, at least you know, bilaterally with some of my uh, some of my clients, that actually they're suffering from the team, the ESG team, the sustain- chief sustainability officer, is they feel empowered, they have all of the knowledge, but they go to their stakeholders, whether that's executive management or the board, who are of different mindset, perhaps mm. a different generation, mm. and and that that could be stereotypical as well i mean saying that but essentially that what they're facing at the board level can be a great deal of scrutiny and skepticism about the whole esg uh the whole sustainability yeah, process do we need this what mm. impact is going to have in our bottom line how's this going to play out yeah, what happens you know so lots and lots of questions so i have seen a real role for coaching in actually helping to support these people again depending on your view and i'm I've obviously i'm a convert if you if you want to, to call it a sort yeah. of a, you know, uh that 
I'm a convert of sustainability, and so I, I believe we need we all need to do something, and collectively we can do more. So I'm working with uh, with people to help to galvanize them to build and convince and to persuade their stakeholders to yeah. actually say, this isn't going away, it's getting worse, we know it's getting worse, we need to deal with this. And that's really helpful to sort of bring it into that sort of context. And, and I guess what you're saying is some stakeholders will have a a focus, and it's my experience as well of working at that C-suite level, will have a real focus on the the profit of the business, the, the, the financial elements of it. And yes. although they talk about that planet's important and people are important, at the end of the day, it's the profit that takes the priority. So what, what you're saying is, if I've heard you right, Grant, is about helping those ESG directors, executives, try to influence and, and develop more balanced view across those three areas rather than just being profit orientated. And that's, I guess, a challenge for, for many. You're right. And it, it absolutely is a huge challenge. Uh, it, it's massive because, again, every day you can read articles about my fiduciary responsibility is to look after the money. And you're yeah. telling me that this is, a narr- this is a narrative of climate change. It's a narrative of whatever. Even though you've got science behind the, the climate change, that people still think it's a narrative. So show me. And so I think that this this I, I think it's incredibly challenging to persuade people that are tasked and looking at the financials only um, to to move the dial. So I, it's not a quick fix. I think it's no. something which you've got to do systemically. And I think that systemic coaching work, actually, we haven't touched on. But I think that type of work would lend itself very well because you're talking about looking at the constellation of different stakeholders in this whole, if you want, ecosystem of the organization to say, OK, well, Am I against the world, the, the CSO, the chief stand, am I against the world? Or actually, who else have I got here that could be helpful for me to, with this agenda? Again, the irony being that yeah, CSO functions are still fairly new. I mean, they're not that, not that many people have been doing it for a long period of time. So in some senses, I get also that they are finding their way. So yeah, it's, it, is a, it is a huge challenge. And I don't think it's, I think it's going to get even more challenging uh, because a lot of, particularly from say the US, you've got a lot of anti-ESG mm. sustainability rhetoric and particularly around this whole concept of my responsibility as an investor, as a say fund manager or a company is to make money for my investors. And yeah. you're telling me that the ESG, yeah, sh- prove to me that it's worth my while financially to do it, then I will do it. Otherwise it looks to me like it's pretty costly. So it's constantly put through a lens of the profit or the financial element rather than the planet or people is what you're saying. I think so. I mean, again, it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult to generalize, but I think that, um, again, the, the, these same people. So so who, who is tasking the, the board and the executive management to make money? It's the shareholders, right? Mm. So mm. it's the shareholders mm. that on one hand have got to accept a lower return to say, okay, we understand this. We we really buy and, and believe in this. We need to change things. So mm. it always ultimately is the investors in your business that, you know, whatever hat they wear, they've, they've got to wear maybe more than just one hat, which is the financial hat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, the big challenge straight now is, of course, with economic growth as it is globally, there's a lot of economic headwinds. So people are desperate to make returns. Uh, mm. So mm. I think it's, it's, it's considerable challenges on the sustainability agenda. And I think it's interesting, the sustainability agenda, because my view, and this is only my personal view, is that for something to be sustainable, it can't just focus on the money. It's got to focus on people. It's got to focus on the planet. So 
you know, the whole sustainability piece is about making sure we're here tomorrow to make money. Yes, that that's right. The whole essence of it is is balance, right? Is trying yeah. to balance those th- those three uh, PPPs, as you said. And without that, without imbalance, it's not sustainable, and therefore future generations clearly will be negatively impacted. But it's interesting also that uh, having read, you know, about the about trying to make climate. I mean, what what, what is the rhetoric of, of climate change in terms of get people that are really want to promote concern? A lot of psychological studies have kind of shown that people. Uh, it's too remote for them, and mm, if, mm, if it's mm. too, if it's too much of a polemic, too activist, then actually people shut down. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got too much going on in my life. It's it's too much here. You know, I, I believe what I believe. So I think there is a there's there's a really critical line to walk for climate change activists. I mean, again, you know, splashing a piece of artwork with with paint is not a way to deal with it. Uh, sure. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess what you're saying, what I've picked up, there are sort of three key themes that we need to be conscious of. One is the balance of all those three things. Mm-hmm. There's also a sort of a timeline. What I'm picking up is that, you know, we talk about sustainability being around for the longer time, being around always. So it's constantly going on. But we work in a, a world where it's quite instant and people want, you know, monthly, quarterly, annual targets to be hit. And those are mainly those, those financial piece. And the third element I'm picking up, which you mentioned, was around this generational and the people that are at those sort of senior levels of one generation. And and there's, you know, five generations, uh, my understanding, within the workplace. So we've got all these different views. So trying to balance different views and different agendas is, you know, another key element that I'm picking up from from what you're saying. So those three points. Uh, absolutely, yes. I think that multi-generational one is particularly interesting. It, whilst it's easy to stereotype the older generations being conservative and sure. and just caring about the money, I think within the, that cohort, there are people clearly that are concerned and committed to, to making some changes. But I think that, uh, I guess, the, the negative things in your mind tend to stick up more and you tend to remember those more. But what I, I do hear from a number of people that, that the, the old guard, as it were, are really the the problematic piece in the equation here, but they're the yeah. people that, that run the business. Um, yeah. Yes, it's a very big challenge. And I see that, it's interesting, because I see that from a, let's say, a coaching culture perspective. And, and I'll use your language, if I may, Grant, the old guard have all developed through an environment where it's command and control. Yes. That's how you got success. Yes. Well, now the power shifted and mindsets need to shift. And you've got people who want to be more collaborative and more connected um, and more empowered. So you've yes. got these sort of, let's call them the old guard and the new guard for sake of argument. And there's this clash. And I think we're in a fascinating place within the world at the moment because of that transition that we're going through. And, you know, COVID sort of helped to accelerate it. But I think it was going on there and it's brought it to the line where people go, actually, there is a different way of of doing work. And actually, I have got the authority and power to do things myself and think for myself. And, you know, I do have a view and I do want that work-life balance. So I, I think this whole sustainability piece is not just, as you say, about the planet. I think it's about how we operate and, and make ourselves sustainable in the way that we do work for enjoyment rather than just for the monetary value that, that we'll get as a salary or whatever, how we make our, our fees. Yeah, yes, I, I agree. I think that this, this, uh, I guess, the current, the younger generations are thinking in network terms, right? Whereas yeah. the, you know, the older generation tend to, again, you know, not everyone will, but will think more linearly, you know, A to B. 
And mm. I think that, that bridging that gap is is challenging. And it'll be very interesting to see how this evolves in the next five or ten years as mm. this middle generation gets older. Uh, that that are that are tech savvy, that are network based. They think in networks. They think uh, differently to yeah the, the the older generation. So I think that's it's an interesting time. And I think that a lot of what I see also is a lot of the younger generations are invest. They're investors that they want impact on their investments as well, which is such the proliferation of 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 impact investing, which again is clearly very related to this whole ESG. You know, yeah. Whether you're investing for you're buying a social bond. Uh, or making a social loan that will actually have a return based upon social outcomes, or a green bond, which again, as you know, we we know uh, would would need to go to green projects. So these sorts of things, the 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 current generation is really thinking very. I really want my money to have some impact here. And I think that's very different from people. Yeah. Again, you can't generalize, but from other people that that are chasing just the last you know five or you know, five or ten. 0.05% on the next interest rate on uh, and switch to another bank. So I think this difference manifests itself right across the way they they behave as well with their financial investments and the way they live. Brilliant. I, I mean, that's that, that's really helpful to understand all of that that world and I guess how different generations will be looking at. And I guess from what you're saying, how the world is changing, not just in the investment world, but just generally yeah. in the world of work. That That's right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, so much has changed, and, and yeah, COVID brought us many, yeah, many terrible things. But it also brought us a lot of benefits. It's, it's fast tracked the technology, yeah. the fact we're doing this comfortably, uh, the fact that we work so, so yeah, um, hybridly. All these things are, I think, are definitely good things, and they're not going away. So, uh, but that control and command culture is set to be dealt some, you know, I think, some pretty deathly blows in the next five or ten years. From everything, the whole culture, culture landscape seems to be just changing. Going back on a, on a previous point you made about activist coaches, whether whether is a role for us to be activist, uh, just thinking that I, I think there is a role for us to ask, yeah, as coaches to ask very direct, insightful questions. I mean, that's the job of a coach is to ask direct, insightful questions. But with respect to this whole sustainability space, if you see or sense the clients uh, who may not be necessarily involved in that business but are being being affected by it, you can ask very direct questions about this i think to without giving away what your necessary your own thoughts are so i, I think mm. there is a role mm. for activism within within esg and sustainability without i think going into directive behavior yeah I, I think it's a really interesting point and i'm just like you reflecting and processing mm. that and i i think the way that i would see it if i was coaching is it's my role as a coach to raise the leader's understanding of reality in the context and the changing world around them mm. so that they can then be aware of that and make their own decisions yeah. so you know it's simple term my role is to raise their awareness and, and yes. to, to give them that understanding about choices that they might need to take or not as the case may be but the choice to do that is up to them i guess when i hear the word activist it's and this is the bit that i for me isn't a coach's role is to start pushing my agenda or my values or my beliefs around mm -hmm. sustainability and ESG onto the coachee. For me, it's just about raising awareness of the changing environment workplace that we're living in and allowing that leader then to make choices or op take options that they may have thought of themselves. 
Yeah, I, I share your concerns. I, I think there probably is a spectrum of, of views mm. on that within the coaching community, particularly within some of the, the organizations more, more targeted towards this area. You know, I think that people may may be using it perhaps a bit more like mm. being a bit more directive. But yeah, you, you are right. I think people need to uh, to use coaches. You know, I think to maintain the clarity of coaching, I think is incredibly important. I think if we start yeah. to dilute that into a political discussion or a whatever, then I think that, that I think it takes away the power of the coach, uh, and it makes it very unclear. Well, what, what you know, I, what's your agenda here? So yes, I, but I think that I would imagine there are people that are using it. In a, you know, my my belief is un, underlying to this, and that will come through, I guess, in their questioning and their suggestions. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Mm. You, you mentioned the term CSO, which I'm going to assume means Chief Sustainability Officer. Ah, apologize. Yes, that's, that's right. That's okay. Just clarify that for our listeners. Yes, so, and again, just for um, our listeners to understand, and you've worked with a number of CSOs and ESG officers, it'd be really useful to just give a flavour of some of the types of conversations, topics, challenges that come up. So if, if they do come up for our listeners as when they're coaching, they've mm. got a sort of flavour of what to expect and uh, maybe some uh, approaches or thoughts of how you've then approached that. Yeah, I, I, good question, Trayton. I think that the um, the CSO ESG teams that I've worked with so far um, has been, essentially, if you look at this as a sustainability as a project, is it any fundamentally any different from any other project? I think that it is. I think it's more complex because of the ramifications of it to all of ourselves, potentially you know, as people mm-hmm. and future, you know, our our kids. I think it's quite easy for for emotions to spill into this and to actually to become quite dogmatic about this. So, in general, the the chief sustainability officer ESG teams they have gone to that space because they believe in this whole initiative, if you want to call it an initiative. This yeah. is it's more than an initiative. It's a it's a requirement in their mind, and so I guess that uh, trying to deal with that and trying to 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 recommend that actually, whilst you're passionate going into a a board or an executive management team that are skeptical, don't quite understand what it's all about. I think it needs a very a really a clear process of of you to to convince and to to build over time rather than just say. This is what we're going to be doing. So, so some of the themes that have come up have been literally talking about how can I be more impactful at my with my stakeholders? Yeah. And so you, you could apply the same coaching sure. thought process as you could. I think yeah. that the, the, the complication is, I think, the emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that other challenges don't. We, we all respond. We're all emotional to different things. So, But I think that the, the, the feeling of in someone's gut of we really need to do this because it's, it's very important. You've got to work with your coaches to coaches to suspend that in a way to actually be able to say, listen, I hear what you're saying, but actually they're not listening. Mm. They're not listening. Mm. They may think you're lightweight. And some of the feedback I've had has been, you know, on the from the other side. Well, well this team is, is very passionate, um, very well researched, but, you know, a bit flaky and financially not not really not up there, not not rigorous financially. Yeah. And I think that, that so therefore you've got to to coach in a not in a directive way to say, well, I think you need the following. But I think you need to have this, the CSO and their teams just think, actually, how am I coming across? How am I really coming across here? Mm, mm, um, mm. And I think that's again, that's something which is very common to to the other coaching work that we do. Yeah, I, I guess the difference. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about, you know, the impact I'm going to have. 
I guess here it, it's, as you say, it's sort of like a, a movement rather than an initiative. And you're trying to get, you're trying to move people to become more balanced with their approach rather than just being profit or orientated. Yes. And, and you're also fighting, I guess, when you're trying to make that impact, you're fighting against short termism. Yes. Um, and and it's it's a way of being sustainability, a bit like, you know, a coaching culture is a way of coaching is a way of being. So it's a sort of shift of mindset that you're trying to have that impact on on the board, which will then hopefully with a change of mindset, help them to make a more balanced view with the levels of sustainability and longevity with the decisions and the approach that they're they're creating. Yeah, absolutely. The the short we know we live in a short term you know, time frame. That that's how everything yeah. is hyper short now. This yeah, we've got to do everything right now. But sustainability and many other initiatives are also you know, medium to very long term. There's nothing unique about sustainability, um, but it is certainly a, a very long term thing to to transform a, a company that is uh, let's say a, a polluter into to transition that to something else takes a, a very long time and. Um, particularly depending where you are in the world, it will take a very long time to do that. And they need to have lots and lots of other things in place to be able to facilitate that as a process. But most of all, you need your stakeholders to say yeah. yes, because when you when you, you choose sustainability as a, as a route and you your stakeholders need you to do it, you know, your, your corporate strategy needs to reflect it, um, all of your annual reports, everything needs you need to create sustainability reports, all sorts of stuff here. So there's a lot of extra work involved. For a company, there'll, there'll be teams for a large corporate or a large bank, yeah. teams and teams of people, new processes, new committees, and all of that, in, particularly in, in times of austerity, means that's extra money. Hang on, mm, that's extra people. Mm, mm. We, we've, got, we've got people, our sales team or our marketing team, they need extra people, but they, yeah, and they're producing the profitability. You're asking me for another team that's not going to be profitable. There's another level of, we, we kind of view them as, you know, um, you know, regulators, internal regulators. So you can see that kind of, that profitability. Right, yeah. The, I yeah. mean, the, the financial financial return is a perennial thing we keep on coming back to because that is what a lot of people hung up about is, yeah. it, yeah. does this make sense? Is this going to, are my peers doing it? Do I need to really do it? If I do, how much? And I think that a lot of the beneficiaries now that I see are the consultancies and so forth that are making a lot of money out of, of this transition process. But a lot of companies still got so much to do so far to develop, particularly in emerging markets, where they're just absolutely. And these are the worst affected companies that have got the the actual, you know, the, 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 the actual environmental and, and social inequity. I mean, we haven't talked much about the social act. We talk more about, about the environmental, but the, but the social, this idea of, again, the other level of nuance there is that should a company really care about it, about the social aspect impact of its business? The answer, the answer seems to be, well, it should. But that's a big mindset change. Mm, mm, I produce mm. a widget, and now you meant to say I look at the upstream and the downstream from the widget production and care about the communities affected, the workers, the impact of technology on unemployment. So how how am I meant to care for the world? And that's kind of what a lot of people are thinking. Yeah, I guess where does it stop? Um, yes. Yeah, that's 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 a great point. That's a great point. So I guess what you're also saying, and I'm picking up, and you said this, you mentioned this word before again, but I want to clarify it for our listeners. You, it sounds like a lot of the work you do is quite systemic in the sense that you're not only having to help that individual have an impact, but helping that individual understand how they can influence 
and create movement across a much wider stakeholder base. So it, it, things start to change, you know, in lots of different areas rather than just being very narrow focused in talking to the board. They're, they're starting to hear different things and people are, are demanding different things. And we talked about the generation. So this thing starts to get momentum, I guess, is what you're saying and helping coaches, leaders to be able to to build that momentum. Yes, that, that's right. I tend to think systemically. The work I did as a banker, I worked for a development finance institution. So we were into projects which had very wide impact. So I, my preferred mode, my own personal preferred mode of thought is, mm. is thinking thinking quite wide, but actually zooming in to make specific impact where we can. And I think that that mindset, I guess, comes through in my coaching as well, that I encourage people to think, listen, here, this, this is the problem, but let's zoom out to what, what we're saying who are the players here? Because mm. it is really that, and also the way that I worked as a banker was not in an investment bank context where it's, it's cut and thrust and you're just on the profitability. It was actually the culture I came from was about influencing, um, mm. about building consensus. And I think that those are the skills which a lot of CSOs and ESG teams, um, again, back to that point, could benefit from refining and developing uh, in order to really build some strength and and, and build you know build a position to get a positive position between themselves and their stakeholders and again back to your point that takes time yeah. to re- to possibly repair relationships to you know, to once you're skeptical of someone as human beings it's quite hard to overcome that right mm, you know mm. um, so yeah it's it, it, it's but all of this points to this is not a, there's no quick fix for this no sure. And, and as a coach, I'm curious to, as it's a sort of a, a long process, mm. how do you manage when you're coaching in an organisation to manage your impatience, to manage your emotions around these things where you want to get a quick fix, but actually you know you can't? And how do you stop that showing up within the conversations you have with your coaches? <laughs> Yes, I, I, I guess my, my own position is clear on where I stand on sustainability, right? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> slightly. It, it, it can be a challenge, particularly where you have people that are, um, you know, kind of themselves un, unsure of what they should be doing. And I, so it, 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 it's tempting as a coach to galvanize, to say, mm. to dip into semi-directed behavior and say, listen, why don't you think about the following? Well, hang on, that's a leading question. Sure. You know, what do you think? What do you think you need? I mean, so I think trying to, to zoom out to say, OK, this is not about me and mine. It's a it's absolutely not about me and mine. It's about their perceptions and it's got, it's helping them to get to where they want to get to, you know, yeah. as involved as you may emotionally get in the conversation. I think that's a point is a coach to always remain as much as we can. We're emotional beings to remain fairly neutral. Uh, on the the personal you know, on the stakeholder stories that they they tell to say okay listen there's a way to way to tackle this or address this you've, you've got to remove your emotions as a coach because that's actually no that's of no value to your client it can be interesting but it's 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 a diversion yeah great so um grant it's been fascinating talking with you to to hear about your perspective and your lens on sustainability and coaching sustainability and um, time as ever has got the best of us but before we go i have this question which I ask all of my my guests and I think it's even more relevant for you because it talks about tomorrow and our our purpose at Coaching Focus is very simple it's coaching for a better tomorrow so I'd like to understand your your perspective on what does coaching for a better tomorrow mean to you? Coaching for better for a better tomorrow that would be 
I mean, that that's intrinsic to to what motivates me to as a consultant, as a coach, is to actually I I believe that there is huge possibilities in all of us to yeah. to, to help to co-develop a better tomorrow. So I think for me, it's about working together, working closely, and working with integrity to actually hopefully derive a better tomorrow. Great. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you and I'm sure most if not all of our listeners would agree with that sentiment. So thank you for your time and uh, here's to a better tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you, Trayton. Mm -hmm.